Welcome to Becoming the Ultimate Fitness Coach. I am the Jock, this is the Doc, and this is our fourth video on how to get more clients. So if you've been listening to the previous three, then you got the foundation of like, what do clients value? How do we add more value? The last one we dove into actually getting more clients and how to get past clients back in. And this one we're gonna dive into something a little bit different, but ultimately the same goal. We talked a little bit in this last one of like, you know, ultimately we're looking for can we pay for all of our expenses as a gym owner, as a coach? Can we make good money to live the life we want? And can we not work like a dog every day? And we, we say this, uh, how to get more clients, is because this is what we hear. When we're talking to new coaches, when we're at conferences, everyone's like, oh, how do I, uh, how do I get more clients? But ultimately, it has to do with uh, so much more than that. And today, we're going to drive, we're going to jump into um, how to get more money from your current people. And there's several approaches to do that. And then also, which is probably my least favorite of the, the, the ones we've talked about, is like how to cut expenses, but different ways to think about that too. So, uh, Dr. J, let's dive into, when we're talking about getting more money from our current people, I would say the majority of people think of like, well, I'll just charge more. I'll just give the exact same thing and I'll charge more. And, and there's a time and place for that. And every three to four years, we bump it a little bit because prices go up and you can get away with that. But the problem with that is um, you're not really adding more value and hopefully you have a good demand. Otherwise, that's not going to be super beneficial. But when thinking about just jumping up prices for people, what, what, what should people be aware of or think about? Well, I think a couple of things. Not getting too focused on extraneous things that people might be worried about. And what I mean by that is like uh, recently we were in a session and somebody was talking about inflation and that you know inflation's gone up and and so should we not change prices or should they go down or whatever and and, and that's a valid thing to be concerned about but oh my gosh it is so difficult to evaluate how everyone's going to spend their money and different things and how inflation packs so the question is just more of thinking about people in general if Two things. One of them is is money oftentimes has to really do, and I talked about this in the first one, right, is sort of that benefit minus the cost. And where I choose to spend my money sometimes is very logical, and then you and I have discussed this a lot, and other times is very illogical. The places we won't spend yeah. more money and the places we will dump money hand and foot over, right, if, if we have the option. Um, so we're not unique in that. And so the, the, the thing about when you're getting more money from your clients is two parts. One is um, if you create enough value and this is important to them, they might give up their coffees. They might give up a few other things to do that. So it's really not about can I charge more or keeping things the same, but how do I, which is kind of our point, right, is create that value. And then the other thing that I always say is when you're offering an additional something or uh, more training or something that you will get more money from your clients, connect it to their goal. What did they come in saying? What have they been recently saying? How does this connect their goal? A lot of times I see people just throw out like, well, we have this or would you like that? that that'd probably be good for you too. And not really connecting it to me personally. Then it feels like you're selling me on something as opposed to you're thinking about me and connecting it to that. Yeah, my, my kind of two cents on uh, when to think about increasing prices is, you know, we'll occasionally have a, a trainer's leave and we'll get new trainers in. It's just the cycle of owning a business. And if there's a period where we have a couple new uh, out and a couple out and a couple new in, that might not be the best time. Exactly. Because they're dealing with some transition already. 
um, probably more around that December time where people have a lot of other expenses with like the holidays and Christmas shopping and stuff like that, probably not the best time to do it. You know, timing it around like you just got some new equipment in, um, like, like recently we got a new red light for a sauna, like different things like that where they're like, wow, they're expanding, they're investing in their people and they're investing in this place. Like, so it doesn't seem like a big deal. And it's always uh, kind of a scary thing to think about, especially at first, because I was like, man, we're gonna lose so many people. And it's amazing how many people are like, eh, okay, just kind of expect this. Like, as long as you're creating a lot of value. What I really like to look at is, how do we add more value? Then we could charge more for the client. So when we first started out, as you know, we just did the physical side. We just did personal training. And then we added on you know, the nutrition side. So we could charge a little bit more for that because we're doing more things. So we're getting, we didn't get more clients necessarily. Um, we're getting more from the current. And then when you came in and taught us the, the behavior change side of it, we're, we're using the, the, the behavior coaching to make people uh, better at everything that they're doing to help reach their goals. And we could charge more for that. And so it's a way that, it's, it's not just thinking about like, okay, we need more clients, we need more clients. It's more of like, how do we add more value to our current people? And sometimes uh, when it's a completely new service, we can charge more for that. And the, the thing about the, uh, the behavior coaching that we do is it's so unique that no one else in our area is doing it. So many people need it. We can charge significantly more for that than we can in one-on-one personal training. Because when outside people are looking in, they're like, well, they do one-on-one personal training. Well, some of these other gyms do one-on-one personal training. How do I know which is better? And most people don't because they're not looking in and seeing what the experience is and what the knowledge is and what your programs look like, what your exercise look like. They're just comparing prices there. But if we're talking about something of like, hey, we're going to be your fitness coach and all these different things, then it's like, well, I can't just compare prices then. Um, I will pay more for this because they're doing a lot more there. Well, and it's sometimes people call that the difference between, um, and I don't want to confuse the terms for people, but the generalist and the specialist. Mm -hmm. And so when you go see a specialist medical doctor, you expect that to be more expensive, more intense, more those types of things. And I'm not, that's not the same thing as having this very narrow niche. So I want to make sure that that's distinguished and clear. But it is, if I'm comparing all the other ones and they all have generalists, we offer meal plans, we offer this, and it doesn't sound targeted, unique, all of those types of things. And you as a coach have these levels of expertise and specialism. Uh, Behavior coaching is a great example of that. Then you can charge more because you've spent the time, energy, you've really honed in, and you're providing a, as you pointed, a unique service. And so, again, it's about how we communicate. It's not about saying we have a bunch of cool lights and whistles and bells and all of those types of things. We have these things that are related to the fitness journey, and we take that very seriously. We care a lot about it, and that's why we're evolving. Another way to think of like adding more value to the current people that you can charge more is simple things like what supplements do your current clients always take? How can you vet a good supplier and have that ready for them? So it's more convenient for them. You're making sure they're getting good quality and it's something that these clients buy on a regular basis. Um, just selling water, selling post-workout shakes, different stuff like that. But my cautionary tale with that is I got caught up, and uh, in, in you were around for this, is six, eight years ago at my old facility where I created a cafe and, and sold smoothies that were made there. And don't get me wrong, the smoothies f- that we made there, macro-wise, were better. Um, tastes were better than the ones that I've bought, but we had to have someone work there. So it's, it's paying for extra space. It's paying for uh, an, an extra employee. And, and really, you know, like we're trying to break this down is like, ultimately, 
how are we um, making more money at the end of the day? And this really just caused more work. And so we found a good alternative. We found a good pre-made shake um, that people liked and the macros were good on it, but we didn't have to put it to work in. We didn't have to have space. We didn't have to have the blenders and all the different stuff and, 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 and things like that. So, so also being cautious of, of, of revenue by itself, you gotta be cautious with that because some people are just chasing the revenue when it's really looking at like bottom line, like where are we at? Yeah, and, and even from the client side, because um, they were amazing smoothies, but they took a hot minute to make yeah. too because they were customized. Do you need this in it? Do you want protein in it? Do you not have dairy? Do you not, those type of things. So there was a lot of logistics because otherwise as a client, I'm done training and now I got to wait another 10 minutes, 15 minutes for my shake, especially if somebody else is also there. And now I'm taking longer at the gym. Things are, t and, and if time is my thing or I've got a bit of a commute or traffic or things like that, that can add up too. So really kind of thinking about um, how that impacts and again, to your point, the revenue and clients, because if it's not supporting um, that revenue and on top of that, it might be detracting for clients or they feel like they're missing out because they can't ever stay another 10 minutes to get that, that can kind of be frustrating and create. And again, you're not going to make everybody happy. But again, I like that notion of just weighing all of the parts to it and not just assuming that because someone else has a successful one that this is a good fit for you. And really just kind of the breakdown of, of why I feel like we weren't highly successful and that is, is talking to other people that, that work at them or ran them is like, we just didn't have the traffic, the volume. You know, we are a one-on-one -on -one training facility. We have 200 members and, you know, you talk to someone that's been successful, they're more of a, a box gym where exactly. they have, you know, a thousand people in the day that come in. And so volume-wise, yeah. it's just very different. So understanding kind of where you're at, who you're serving, what your traffic is and, and what's the best fit for that. And so... Um, jumping on to the next one, when we're talking about you know uh, revenue minus expenses and we have profitability, people start to get into the expense category. And I had a, I had a mentor of mine, and this is the beauty of working in this industry. We get very successful people uh, that we're working with, and we can pick their brain. And it was funny when we f I first started off, and we're using my body, and we're getting credit card fees, and it's three percent of everything. And it's like, oh, that's not that big a deal. But when you start making a decent amount of money, you're like, man, these amount of money I am. Um, pain to mind body for the process it kind of fees is like it, it hurts it hurts deep inside <laughs> um and so i was like i was talking to him i was like well what should i do should i you know try to get people to pay and you know checks or cash or do i have a three percent fee on that because you see some places like that and his advice is like make more money and because like if we nickel and dime our clients especially if they're we're going higher in experience we're going value and they can't use the credit card they want they might just go somewhere else and so really making sure that we're not trying to nickel and dime our clients um, because it really costs us more in the long run. Yeah, and, and that's a good way to tie back in. What I always love to talk about is knowing yourself and your personality and things like that too. Meaning that thinking it through from the client standpoint and not just what you prefer mm -hmm. or what seems logical from your point of view to that. And then also what you or your group can do smoothly. Because if you're using software or you have a system that's clunky and a lot of times it rejects things and you got to go back to your client and go, sorry, like, can I have that card again and kind of whatever, you need to make those things smooth and easy. If you're offering a service or extra value, make sure that you can follow through with that. Don't offer something or sell something and then not have the logistics down that people can actually use it or benefit from it. So know what you can take on because it's really... It's really um, 
if you offer a few things really, really well, that's value. If you try to add 10 things and you can't manage those 10 things or it becomes this waiting game or nickel and diming, then you're going to lose clients and say, well, I added all this stuff and it still didn't work. And, and really what's got me thinking about the expense side and the reason we're talking about it today is because, um, I don't know if you remember this, but like one of the guys was talking this weekend at the conference that we were at and they're like, well, we're getting ready to raise prices and we're also overpaying our trainers, so we're going to reduce what we're paying them. Yeah, and it's just like, conversation. It's like, like, that's not going to go over well. That's yeah. such a bad timing because clients are going to talk to the client client sorry clients are going to talk to the trainers about their raise and then the trainers are going to complain back and it's just going to be a shit show and one of those things is like and a lot of people are hurting for good employees right now and if you're going to cut down that like when i'm talking about cutting expenses the the good help is not what i'd even consider it's more about like how can i figure out ways to pay them more um, when we are talking about cutting expenses you know it's, it's amazing when you go through and look through the credit card statements and it's something i do routinely every day is just look, look at those reoccurring things that you're paying for and what are you really using and what you're not um, another one is like we still use MindBody, which I know it's a love-hate for some people. Um, but even like I know there's a few years back where we reached out and talked about negotiating the credit card fees. And since we've been for them a while and the volume we were doing was up, it was like they were able to ring that down. So thinking about that in the sense of like what services I use and how can I cut them down? Um, what am I, which ones am I using that I can possibly negotiate with? In the worst case scenario, they said no and you're in the same spot. So having those talks. Yeah, and I, I think too also looking at not again, like you said, cutting down how much you're paying good help and good staff and employees and people that are, are making things run, but also looking at the hours. Because if you've got people and, and let's say they would love to get off an hour early and that, that last hour, there's nobody training there or there's like yeah. kind of looking at just because you set it up one way at one point, what are your clients wanting and needing now? When are they using the gym? When are they, how are you accommodating that? Or do you have an extra service um, that runs longer than these other ones? And so you have one person just there for that one thing and it's not a good ROI on their time and use. And it also, some of those employees might appreciate getting off a little bit earlier or shifting something. So just even looking at that um, picture and then sort of also forecasting it out and seeing if you stay on this trend, where's it gonna go? Yeah, and also just being creative, and this is the part that I really like too, is like when uh, we were basically in the middle of COVID, there was another gym that closed down. And so uh, we were able to move from one facility to the other, and we worked it out with the, the current landlord and the new one that we got basically got um, someone covering the one that we moved out of, and we got six months free rent in the one that we moved into. And, and that was such hugely important because like, you know, during the time of shutdown of COVID, like we didn't know what we were going to be getting paid there. We didn't know we were getting PPP money and there's, it was kind of up in the air. So we created a, a six month buffer there where we weren't paying rent, which just made things so much easier. And there's all these opportunities all the time because you'll see that there's a lot of gyms opening up, a lot of gyms closing. So just being aware of like different situations like that and maybe it's location or maybe it's equipment. There's, there's so many different ways that you can, you can possibly cut expenses that way um, if, you're, if you're thinking creatively and you're kind of tapped into the community and kind of know what's going on. And I think the same would probably go for a coach that's an independent contractor, right? Yep. And if they're going to different facilities, thinking about ge geographically even, how far are you driving? How long is it taking you to get to this other place to train someone? Or where are you training people? And just even looking at your hours, your logistics, all of those things. And just because you set it up this one way, you might be thinking, I'm just going to keep increasing from that, but there might be a whole lot of cost saving and just rethinking where and how you're training some of your folks. Yeah, absolutely. So that is concluding our uh, 
fourth video on the loose title of how to increase clients, but really the, the bottom line of like how to, to get more profitability. And that's ultimately what we, we need to sustain as a business and why it's, why it's so important. That's why we're talking about it um, over these four videos with you. So until next time. <laughs>